Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome back to another episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Michael Calamari alongside Miles Grossman, Gigi Spear. So happy to be doing this episode. It is finals week, so we took a lot of time out of our busy schedule to get <laughs> to the studio today, but that's how much we love this podcast and NBA basketball. Gigi, I'll start with you. How are you doing? Oh my God, I'm good. I was talking to Miles before this. It's been a grind. Yeah, been a grind following this week, but so, so happy to be here. And you're right, it's a bad time to be a student because it's a great time to be a basketball fan. Yeah, it, it, it's really a tough time, Miles. I think you say it's the same thing. I, I was just taking a final before this, and I'll, all I could think about was picking pot because I wanted to get to the studio. I wanted to crank out this episode today. And Miles, we got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. A lot on the slate today. And it's a, talking about NBA is a nice little break from the finals schedule. So I'm happy to be here. Looking forward. To it. Yeah, super excited. We had something, we had history last night, and no better place to have history than at Madison Square Garden. Steph Curry is now the all time leader for three pointers made in regular season history with 2,974, and he broke Ray Allen's record, and he did it in 511 less games. Guys, I just want to get what are your thoughts on this, uh, this historic moment? You know, it goes to show how influential of a player Steph Curry is when you think about, you know, who's really changed the game of basketball in our lifetime. It's got to be Steph Curry, obviously MJ and AI when you think about historic greats who have changed the NBA, changed the playing style. But the addition of the three-point shot with the way, you know, Steph Curry takes advantage of it is truly special. And, you know, I I feel lucky to be alive to watch a guy like (laughs) Steph Curry play basketball because it's truly special. And, you know, uh, Reggie Miller said it himself that the, the record that Steph Curry will end up setting by the end of his career, will be a record that's never broken. Similar way to, you know, Wilt's 100-point game. It's a performance, it's a career that, you know, will never be matched following a lifetime of Steph Curry. And that's a huge point, too. It will never, ever, ever be matched. And something I want to add, to that always gets me whenever I think about Steph this season is they finished in ninth last year, the Warriors, and everybody kind of ruled him out. And now to come back, still with the shimmy, too, and then to make this record in such an emphatic way at MSG, I think is an amazing thing, especially as a comeback story. I think the record being broken at Madison Square Garden makes it so much special. And that's something that Steph Curry you know, talked about in the post-game press conference, he talked about you know how great of a moment that was, and our own Alex Wolves. He was at the game, and he got this sound piece from Steph Curry. It was a special atmosphere. I knew the Garden would deliver in terms of just how iconic this place is. I really I can't say enough. I appreciate so much the way the fans uh, embraced the moment with me and let me just kind of get lost in it. Yeah, if you were watching videos of him hitting the three, I mean he's. At the Knicks, I mean, he's at the Madison Square Garden, away at the Knicks, and just the love he got when he hit that three, I think it just shows how generational of a player he was, and he really changed the game. I mean, think about the amount of threes guys were taking in the late 90s and the 2000s, it, not even close to what guys are doing now. People want to be like Steph Curry. They used to want to be like Michael Jordan, like LeBron James. Now Curry's the new face of this next generation of basketball, and it's so special to see him break this record. And you know, you guys touched on that it's a record that will never be broken. I actually think that it 
it can be. And mm-hmm. my reasoning is because so many people want to be like Steph Curry. The volume is just going to keep on going up. We're going to see more and more threes taken every year. And we yeah. might not see a better shooter than Steph Curry, but I think we could see someone that shoots more volume than he did throughout his career. That's the one thing I think with this record. I think it's just it shows that there's a new generation of basketball. I think we could be seeing someone eclipse his record in the future. They'd have to be an extremely talented player because, you know, I, I don't know if we've ever seen someone like Steph Curry walk the face of the earth. So, you know, it would have to be uh, a, a, a special player, but it, it would be someone that would probably attribute their success to Steph Curry and what he did for basketball. So it's always exciting to think about, you know, how, how basketball is going to change throughout our lifetimes, how, you know, what, what what's the NBA going to look like when, when Steph Curry is is out of it, and then now the new generation of of Jason Tatum and these other young guys are are the veterans, you have to think that there's a whole crop of young kids out there who are just praying and working their asses off to be like Steph Curry. Yeah, that's such a huge point too. And how much we've seen the Western Conference change in ways of shooting, stretching the floor, even people just pulling up from the logo or like right by it. We didn't see that before Steph Curry. If we did, please let me know because I don't know about <laughs> that. Um, and then that transmitted all the way over to the East. And now you have the whole NBA focusing on the three ball rather than being um, a big man's game. Yeah, it's basketball. You still got to be tall and have a center or whatever, but it's pretty much all about shooting now, I feel like. And that's what gets people on their feet. It's, it's um, yeah, you get dunks from time to time, but the way Steph Curry does it, and something that I noticed, first of all, I want to say congratulations to Alex Wolves for him to see his <laughs> his hero shoot that, that three that, in person. That was, that's awesome. Yeah. You, you can't script it better than that. Oh, <laughs> it's huge. And, I yeah, I think that's awesome. And he shouted out in his, um, in his pregame video on Twitter that back in 2013, Curry went off for 54 points at MSG, and he broke the franchise record with 11 three-pointers that game. And so Alex was saying it was a really full circle moment whenever he was going to sink that second three last night, and he ended up doing it. So, yeah, I think that's another good reason. It was in New York last night, not only for Alex, but for Curry himself. Yeah, I mean, Curry just really is spectacular, and the moments, the records he's breaking and will probably continue to break is something to marvel at. And, you know, we saw that from Draymond Green, you know, the the other night. You know, he was talking about in the press conference just – that Steph Curry, he's the best at what he does. And th- this is Draymond Green right here. We'll play a sound, you know, real quick. You know, we're all extremely excited and honored to be a part of it. Uh, just, just to be here and witness greatness. <clears throat> I always say you, not often do you have the opportunity to interact with someone great at something. Um, <clears throat> let alone go to work with someone that is great the absolute best at something like that's a very rare thing because there are very few people that are the best at said thing Steph is the best to ever shoot a basketball and we get the opportunity to go to work with him every day and it's, it's, a, it's a very special thing so yeah I mean a, a great sound bite from Draymond Green just the praise he has for his teammate and Curry is without a doubt the be- best shooter we have all seen. And he even said that, you're going to set that record, you're the best shooter. But I want to go back to my case. I do think it can be broken, and I'm going to give a name. Trey <laughs> Young. He's been in the league for four years. You look at his three-point attempts per year. First year, six. Next year, 9.5. Year after, 6.3. And this year, 7.1. He's shooting threes at a pretty you know high clip. You go to Steph Curry. 
His first four years, 4.8, three-point attempts per game, 4.6 the year after, 4.7, then a pretty big jump in 2012, 2013, 7.7. I mean, right now, Trey Young's taking more threes than Steph Curry, and he's making more than Steph Curry did at this point in his career. Now, Curry's racking up double-digit three-point attempts now. That's how good he is. Trey Young still needs to get to that level, but back to my argument, for volume, I think a guy like Trey Young or someone in the future, I think there's going to be a guard that can shoot like lights out and shoots at a high clip like Trey Young does, like Steph Curry does, that can break this record, but just being the first to do it, and I think even if someone does break the record, that doesn't take away from Curry. I think you can still say he's the best shooter of all time because of what he did to lay the foundation you know, for this next generation of basketball, and on top of that, just the efficiency shooting the percentage from three he does is incredible. I mean, no one guards the line against um, any sh- shooter that teams do against Steph Curry. It's really impressive to see. I-, I-, I just think, I mean, it's insane that he's able to set this feat in the amount of less games that the people who came before him doing. He's really starting, you know, a new generation of basketball. Exactly. And that's an important point is how many games Steph Curry really has left in his career. Because, sure, he already did break the record, and then guys like Trey Young are maybe on pace to have Steph Curry-like careers. But Steph Curry is not nearly done. And we'll see over the next 5, 10 years. I think Steph Curry honestly has a good 8 years of success ahead of him before he's fully out of the league. Given you know, He's not young. He's not Trey Young any longer. But <laughs> he's still going to have uh, a lot of lucrative years ahead of him for I these I mean, he's Warriors. 33. He's yeah. gonna, you think he's going to play until he's 41? I think it's possible. I think it's damn well possible. I think his play style... Could allow him to. I mean, that's a great point. He plays off the ball too. Mm-hmm. He comes off off ball screens. He'll hit the shot. He's a catch and shoot three point shooter a lot of the time. I think he could do it. He would have to limit. He'd have to be right out. He'd have to go somewhere. And he'd uh-huh. have to, I'm not sure if he wants to be that type of player, but I think it's possible. Just I, put him in the corner. Yeah. Get him open, and someone give him the ball. And right. shooter. And and listen, that's all it takes, and that's what the Warriors have been doing. They played the Knicks last night. We've been talking so much about the record Steph Curry set last night. We didn't talk about the game. Warriors beat the Knicks 105 to 96, and you know Curry wasn't amazing. He had 22 points. You know, he didn't shoot great from the field. The story really was him breaking the record after that. It didn't really matter. But the Warriors still grab a pretty, you know, a pretty win, a pretty big win over the Knicks. They looked like they had the game for most of it. They really blew the doors open in that third quarter. They got a really big lead there. And the Knicks continue to struggle. That's five straight losses at home. A really bad skid for them in general. They can't seem to get anything going offensively. Third straight game, they've scored under 100 points. The offense just really is lacking. And, Miles, I'll start with you. What do you see in this Knicks? What's going wrong for them in particular? You know, it's an interesting situation with the Knicks because I think we all thought they would regress a bit after their very successful season last year. Obviously, you know, Randall had a breakout year, something that we expected to see a bit more out of him this year. But the the issue is the, the East is so competitive that it's, it's, it's going to be tough for the Knicks to even make the playoffs this year. You have teams sitting at the, the bottom of the Eastern Conference, you know, like Miami, Philadelphia, Washington, Charlotte, teams that are not going to budge in the bottom of that conference, and then even teams like Boston and Atlanta, who are currently out of the Eastern Conference playoff picture, who are still a handful of games of the sub-500 Knicks, and, you know, I think we all got a little too excited after last season because it, it, when you really look at it, you look at the core talent of this Knicks team, this isn't a playoff group, uh, especially with when you see all the talent 
that's ahead of them in the bottom half of that Eastern Conference. And, you know, Boston and, and Atlanta are legit teams. And it's even teams like the Cavs are playing well, five seed, four seed in the East now. Very good. So. That Cavs team is legit. I don't want to interrupt you, but <laughs> yeah. I am a Cavs fan. And- <laughs> We'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that. I think you could easily sneak in with that 7-8 seed. And, and my bold take is that, to me, the Knicks are probably eliminated from playoff contention at this point. I don't see them having the talent or the poise to make a run later this year. It's interesting you say that, too, because I think a lot of people wrote them off after the success from last year. But they really did only get better in the offseason, and they've been surrounded with so much hype this entire season. And I know for me, when I was at the Nets game and all the Knicks were flooding in, you couldn't really even tell you were at Barclays Center. Like It felt Mm -hmm. like you were at MSG, and you were only there to see the Knicks play. That's how loud everybody was. So in a way, you want to support them. You want to root for them. But I know we talked about this a little bit before uh, we actually even started recording. To me, it seemed like their shots just didn't fall. And when D Rose turned on late in the game and he was able to do what he did when he was young before even he had the knee problems, he was driving to the basket. And then if he wasn't actually going up with the ball, he was dishing it out and finding the the open man and then they would make the shot. And that's when it seemed to work. So I think that is going to be the real problem. You have Kemba up in the air right now. And that's one question I have for you guys is how much of a difference is that going to make if Kemba leaves or if he stays and starts to turn it on? Yeah, I I think the Kemba is a very interesting problem Knicks have because if if Kemba wasn't such a great teammate, this would be a disaster for the Knicks. He's still cheering for his teammates. He's still supporting his guys. That's so big for this team. But it's when he's not playing with this COVID-ridden roster the Knicks have right now RJ Barrett Obi Toppin all out now Quinn Grimes was out last night against the Warriors when he's not playing now it's hard to think he'll ever play for this Knicks team which is why you're pretty you're pretty positive he'll get traded eventually I don't love it I know he's very he struggles a lot in defense but this Knicks team was playing well with Kemba Walker Mm -hmm. and I don't think it was really all Kemba but I think the starters were more of a defined group the bench unit really gave the sec um gave the Knicks a life in the second quarter and third quarters. I think they had a way they were winning games, and you take Kemba out of the lineup, some things don't go your way on the offensive end. Fournier's kind of slowed down. Julius Randle the same with him. And you start to lose some games. So I think there's a lot there with the Kemba piece. I think he should play. I really do because you're winning games with him in the starting lineup. Let's give him another chance to really solidify his position. And if it keeps on not working out, then you can change things up. But just stacking him on the bench, I don't think that helps anybody. Going back to the Knicks, though, you mentioned you think they're out of the playoffs. I'll give you a reason why I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. They are 28 games into the season. They are 12-16. and 16. You know what their record was 28 games last season? 12-16. and 16. Funny. I think this, and they played a lot of the season under 500. It took a while for them to get above 500 and into the playoff picture. It's a long season. Mm-hmm. This Knicks team can find it. I'm not sure if it's with the guys they have on the roster right now. They might need to make some moves, or they might need to make some moves within the roster, within the rotation, maybe get quickly into that starting lineup, bring back Kemba, shift things around. Because I think Julius Randle's a good offensive talent. I think Fournier, when he scores above 18 points, his next team's undefeated. I think if he can get things going, he's going to be a deadly from three. R.J. Barrett, we've seen flashes from him, the 30-plus point game. He's done that before. He's a very good talent. It's just about making it work, mm-hmm. and that's what time's going to do. So when I see that last season they were 12-16, and 16, 
at the same point in the season, and they're 12 and 16 now. I'm waiting, and I know a lot of Nick fans out there are probably panicking and want to make all these trades and do all these things. I think there are trades that could be made. Mm-hmm. I know Indiana could be. Uh, that's been in some talks. We'll get to that later, but I do think that there is time, and you should not be panicking and saying, you know, this team is out of the playoff picture. I see what you're saying because there's no doubt about how talented the young core of the Knicks is between Toppin, Quickly. You know, obviously, between R.J. Barrett and Quentin Grimes, those are two guys who you'd really see as, you know, faces of the NBA in the next 10 years. But right now, given how young that core is, I think barring a big trade where they get another superstar, I don't see this as, you know, a playoff team. And that's really meaning no disrespect to the Knicks. It's really just a testament to how talented the East is. Like, over the past five years, we've always talked about, you know, the West has been weak, and then last year with the Suns and, and a few other teams, they kind of you know equaled the, the East and how talented they are. But it seems this year it's kind of getting back to normal where the East is a dominant conference, and you know there's there's seven, eight teams who could make a legitimate playoff run, not just make the playoffs, make a legitimate playoff run ahead of the Knicks. So I, what, I, what what do you quantify as playoffs? Is it playing? Or do you allow like yes, yes? So I you, don't see the Knicks as a playing team. <laughs> I, I just don't know if I – I don't know if the Wizards are better than them. I really don't know Fair. if – The Raptors I do not think are better than them. That's true. I disagree. <laughs> I think the Raptors are better than the Knicks. I don't know. I, I, I understand. Yeah, the Raptors beat the Knicks, but I don't know. But when this, you this look is at my Boston, thing Charlotte, Philadelphia, Those are good Atlanta. teams. Those are good teams. Those are good I, teams. I, I will say the Knicks have been on a tough stretch. They've had a lot of tough schedule games. They had the Suns, obviously the Warriors – the Bulls, they've had some tough games, and, mm-hmm. and you got to win those games, I understand that, but they've still been um, they've still been tough games, and they have an easier schedule ahead of them. I look at their home record. They're 5-10 and 10 at home. That is not, if that stays, mm-hmm. if that stays, it's unacceptable one, but if that stays, I'd be shocked. I think they're going to be a better team at home by the end of the season. And they're already good away. They're 7-6 on the road. They're a lot better than the team on the road. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Like, it's hard to judge them when they're playing this bad right now. We know they can play better basketball. We saw that at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. I think this team is still good. They look, they do not look like a cohesive unit. If you told me right now, are they making the playoffs? Mm-hmm. It, I would say they're not. In, they're, they're a play-in. <laughs> they're at the back end of the play-in. They've got to fight their way into the playoffs. But I still, the jury's out for me. It's hard for me. <laughs> like they're not, looking at them right now. They're not a playoff team. The team I'm watching right now is not a playoff team. But I just don't think that's going to be the team I'm watching. You know, come March. That's yeah. that's my thing. It's a team you hope you're not watching at least yeah. too. And you're right. It is such a young team, and they're all getting to know each other. Yet yeah, you're going to have ebbs and flows throughout the season. And I'm happy we mentioned who's in front of them too, because even your guy Trey Young, you mentioned earlier, they're in front. Atlanta's right in front of the Knicks right now, and then you have the Raptors. So yeah, you have all these teams in front of the Knicks in 12th place right now. But I think I also disagree with you, Miles, when you said that the East is, hit, like, over the past five years, the better conference, too. Like, I think the East fluctuates, too, because even the Nets right now, they're pretty solidified in that number one spot. And I think that if you took a poll of all America or all basketball fans, who's going to the Eastern Conference final or to the finals from the East? It's the Nets. But that being said, it wasn't like that last year, and that might change in a couple weeks, too. That's the beauty of basketball, 82 games. Mm-hmm. I do think that the Knicks, you're so right, they could turn it around at home, and that's going to be the huge thing because of the advantage 
they have being the New York team. Like, I got into a Twitter beef with Knicks fans. He started, I, like, said one bad thing about the Knicks fans. This lady called me a bozo. <laughs> like, they, they yeah. will defend the Knicks till they die. So that's definitely an advantage. Yeah, they, they have to find a way to win at the Garden. That's their biggest advantage, so they can't be losing games there. It's tough to talk about the Knicks because I feel like we're you know we're doing the same thing every week. It's the same situation. They win one, they lose one. Now they're losing a lot more than they're winning. But you know it's gonna. I, I want them to go on a win streak, and I want to be able to talk about them in a good way. The mm-hmm. one team in New York we can't talk about in a good way is the Nets, twenty and eight, first in the Eastern Conference. Gigi, you are our Nets beat reporter, yes, so I'll go to you first about this team. You know what have you seen in them that's made them so successful? Obviously, Kevin Durant probably at the top of the MVP discussion with Steph Curry right now. He's been amazing, but you know what have you seen from this team as a whole that's made them you know so amazing so far? Well, I think a huge thing going into the season that I knew would be a difference maker for the Nets is their coaching, too. You have Steve Nash as your coach, and the way he is in press conferences, I'll just say this, is so cool, calm, collected. Like last night, he had so many players out with um, COVID DNPs and was still just so collected and had a game plan, was focused on the game. And then behind him, you have KD, who is just a person who wants to get after and something that I think is huge that happened last night is that they even played the game you know the minimum players to play is eight and they could have rested KD he's been having trouble with his ankle and he was just coming off of 51 against Mm -hmm. the Pistons you know I mean that's time to you know kick the legs up and just chill (laughs) for a little bit is what I would say but I think that move to actually play the game and have the difference maker be KD and whether you play or not, because he would have been the person getting the rest. Maybe he would have rested if. Because um, I think James he was. I think he was having ankle soreness. Correct me if I'm wrong. Ankle soreness. But yeah. yes, and you know that's something you don't want to mess mm-hmm. around with, especially someone who's had you know the Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. So to see him go out there, he had a triple double, 34, 11, and 13, and they win in OT, 131 to 129 to the Raptors. You know, this Nets team, even without Harden, when you see them get a close win like that, it further confirms me that they are the legit team in the East next to the Bucks. Yeah, and I think something that's really different about this team than the Bucks is the spread across of veteran talent, especially beyond um, uh, beyond KD and James Harden. You have Blake Griffin, who you wouldn't really expect to be like that big of a difference maker, at least on defense, but he's always playing scrappy, and he's playing like he's not a vet. And, and credit to him, because he was out of the rotation for quite a bit. The COVID guys, you know, they go out for COVID, and he played great, you know, 13-6-5, 31 minutes, so... You know, to have a veteran presence like that at the back end of your bench, who, you know, is a great clubhouse guy, and when his number called, he's ready to perform. I think that just says a lot about the depth of the Nets, which usually was their biggest thing that I would go say this team's not ready for a championship. They didn't have the depth, but mm-hmm. when they win a game like this with so many guys out due to COVID, it, it's hard to say there's something wrong, like there's something that that's holding this team back. Yeah, and, and, and a key piece to this Nets team is Patty Mills. Patty Mills gave him 30 last time out against the Toronto Raptors. And obviously, Toronto's a team we'd expect the Nets to, to beat relatively easily. But, you know, it's it's going to take more than... Obviously, Harden didn't play last night, but it's going to take more than Harden and KD to take this Nets team to the championship. And I think one thing we forget when we think about the Warriors championship team, when they really built that dynasty in 13, 14, 15, 16, obviously they didn't win their first chip till 15, but when they were building that dynasty, it was about the role players being stars within their role. You had your your Whoa. Draymond and your Clay and your Steph, 
But also, you know, David Lee, Andrew Bogut, Harrison Barnes were stars within their Livingston, role. John Livingston, yeah. Livingston. So true. They were stars in their roles. And that's what I feel like was the key piece missing last year with KD. So it's great to see Patty Mills step up and really be a star in that, you know, prove himself as a, a, a starting caliber point guard in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, what the Nets have done this year has really surprised me. I think Steve Nash's job with uh, the group of guys he has – you know there are a lot of doubts of, of um about him when he, you know he ha- um assumed head coaching responsibilities. He's done a great job with this team and Kevin Durant coming off the Achilles injury it's hard not to say enough about how good he's been. I mean in my opinion he's my clear cut MVP right now. I think Giannis and Steph are right below him. Mm-hmm. I think Steph might have a little buzz with breaking the record this season with the Warriors being first place in the West right around there with the Suns. Uh, but the net, I mean, the Nets are great, and it's all Kevin Durant, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that he is the clear MVP. Um, I also to add to like the Nets' success too, um, and why Nash has been huge and yeah, overcoming doubt, whatever coming into the season, is the trust he instills in his players. The fact that the rookies could go out and one rookie is scoring the first point of the game. And then the next rookie is just going off for 16. You have Nick Claxton just going off. Uh, David Duke got his first start last night, and he put up 10 points and 13 rebounds, doing exactly what you'd want a rookie mm-hmm. to do is just be there on both ends of the floor. Um, yeah, I think that the Nets, you said it so well. I think it was you, Miles. That depth is going to take them so far, and especially behind the leadership of KD, who will show up even when – <laughs> he's not playing with a, a lineup he's used to. Yeah, um, the Nets have been spectacular. KD's been amazing. They are clearly the best team in the East right now. The Bucks right there. Those are the two top teams in that Eastern Conference. You look at the other side, Warriors, Suns, two top teams in the West. After that, though, there's some teams chasing. you got the Jazz, Grizzly, Clippers in the West. You've got the Cavs, surprisingly. The Bulls right there, second place in the East. you also got the Heat at fifth. Trades could be made, and we are getting to the point in the season where that could happen. December 15th is the unofficial start for the NBA trade season because of the fact that, you know, a lot of players who just signed new contracts in the offseason are able to be traded at this point in the season. And this is when we're going to start seeing players be dealt. And, Miles, I'll start with you. Is there a team that you think should make a trade? And then also you can take this in a different direction. Is there a player you want to see be traded? You know, I'm going to focus on the Boston Celtics for this one. To me, the Boston Celtics, you know, sitting where they are in the East right now and with the the young core that they have in in Tatum and Brown, they don't seem to be a real contender in the East. I don't see them as someone who has a chance to make a legitimate playoff run. So given that's the situation in Boston where you have a young core, you still are going to need to make some changes. And and I'm not necessarily calling – for either Brown or Tatum to be traded, but I think we're getting near that point where you know you're you know what core you have right now, and that core is not going to cut it in the East. So it might be time to flip Jalen Brown and give Jason Tatum a couple young talented pieces that could really mesh with Tatum and give the Boston Celtics a, a power three that they need to really make an impact. Because when you're in the same conference as the Nets. And the Bucks, and you're you're sitting there with pretty much just Tatum and Brown to carry you. You're not going to make an impact in the East. Uh, I think the the Celtics are a really unique team because there was a lot of when you have a player as good as Jason Tatum, you expect a lot of more out of your team, and they've just really been a disappointment. 
Uh, Gigi, before I let you go, I'm going to give a team and a player. I'm going to go the Indiana Pacers. I think they are a team that is kind of struggling with the mix of guys they've got. You know, you think about Karis LeVert, Miles Turner, Sabonis. Those are, you know, three very good players, but the mix doesn't look there right now. And they're struggling. They're right around where the Knicks are in the Eastern Conference. I think that Miles Turner could be a great fit, potentially, in New York with the Knicks because the big man is a huge problem with this Knicks team. Where they Nerlens Noel is a, not a great offensive player at all. I mean, when he come, when he sets screens, a lot of time they barely crash in well and they're double teaming the guy coming off the screen. That's a huge problem for the Knicks. So you, it's hard to have him on the floor because you're basically playing with four men on the offensive end. When you have Mitchell Robinson out there, you lose a lot on the defensive end. You saw that with Denver. Nikola Jokic really killed the uh, the Knicks when they uh, when he came to the Garden. Giannis, the same thing. So you need someone that plays both ends pretty well. And I think Miles Turner is that guy. I think he could fit this Knicks team very well. That's someone I would like to see trade. I think the Pacers might be time for them to blow up this team because I'm not sure I see them anywhere near the playoffs. And they're kind of just at that 500 range where it's maybe they get a play-in, but... I don't see them doing anything more than that, so I don't. I'm not sure Indiana's ready to make a run with this group of guys. I think they, you know, really need to enter a rebuild. So, team Pacers, my player Miles Turner, and I, I think he'd be a good match in New York. Whew. All right, I'm gonna go a little crazy right now. I think I only have a team. I don't. It's hard to have a player for this team. I think the Lakers need to make some trades. They're six right now in the West, and they are. They should be a championship contender. And a lot of preseason polls are predicted to finish first coming into this season. And that's just not happening right now. And you see, yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of slow starts for LeBron, especially over the past couple of years where he is getting some DNPs just for rest or whatever. But there's something missing in the Lakers right now. And I like how much veteran talent they have. You have Carmelo, Dwight Howard, um, obviously LeBron. But I think you need one extra person. And I feel like it could have been, it could have easily been Alex Caruso coming into the season. I thought that was. I, Caruso's been amazing for yeah. Chicago. I think, I, I think yeah. that's a great, a great take because I think Caruso would be great for the Lakers right now. That's who they need. I don't think he would come back. I think that would be a lot to lose to leave one team and then come back. Also, he's, like you said, he's doing great in Chicago and he's making a name for himself. And I think he's going to stay there. They need him. Um, what I would like is a player is like a three point shooter. If only like Kyle Korver could come back into the <laughs> league. Like maybe I don't know who it's gonna be for the Lakers, but the Lakers just need one more offensive threat. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great take because when I watch the Lakers, you know, they play a lot of drive and kick. Anthony Davis has not been great from three this season. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook has not been great from three for the past three or four seasons. And LeBron's <laughs> not the guy used to taking the threes because mm-hmm. his game plan, you know, he's going to bring the ball to the basket and he's just going to use his passing ability to find guys who are open. And the Lakers need to hit open shots. And I think that's something they need a three and D guy right now. You lose Danny Green. I think he was kind of a big loss. Yeah. You got, you know, a lot of people poke fun at him because of his finals and playoff performances. But through the regular season, he was a very reliable player for them. They need someone like that. I, I think that's a, a really great thing. And this Lakers team's interesting because there are a lot of people's finals favorites, a lot of people's uh, favorites to win the Western Conference. And right now, if you're looking at this team, they're not doing that. And I, I agree. I think it's time you know they make a move. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and it's funny with Russell Westbrook, for example. A lot of people said this going, and it's a bit of a cliche that you know there's one basketball, and only one player can have the basketball between you know. You got your uh, your Westbrook, your LeBron, and your AD. And 
obviously AD's way underperformed this year, and that's not going to help the Lakers. But I think that it might be time to give up on the Russell Westbrook uh, experiment because when you have a guy like Russell Westbrook clashing with the playing styles of LeBron and AD, it, it, it might be crazy to say it, but Caruso might be more valuable to this Lakers team than Westbrook is right now because you need someone that's, that, that doesn't need the ball in their hands to succeed, someone that's a, a, a defensive threat in the way that Caruso is, I guess, you know, no disrespect to Russell Westbrook's defense, but I think <laughs> he's Russell listening Westbrook's... and he's gonna like write in right now. He's like, I play D. Miles Grossman, the yeah. WFUV, doesn't like my defense. <laughs> but when you think about Russell Westbrook, I think that you know he's such a valuable guy out on the trade market. So it's like you, if you could get two young pieces for this Lakers team for Russell Westbrook, save up some cap space. I think it would be a great move for the Lakers because Russell Westbrook doesn't seem to really be helping the Lakers out much this season. But then who's going to be able to dish out $44 million mm-hmm. for a player, $47 million that's a, next that's year? That's a great point. It's all, like who are the Lakers going to trade? Who wants Westbrook on yeah. that deal? I don't think a lot of people do. And Is I it think, Philly? Uh, <laughs> are you talking Ben Simmons to L.A.? I don't know if he, he doesn't shoot enough for me to— <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I, I would not want that, but then I don't know what other team he would go to. It's really puzzling. Maybe Portland. I don't know if Damian Lillard goes out to L.A. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Portland's taking Russell Westbrook for Lillard. I think they would need a lot more. Uh, if you're the Lakers, do you want to burn picks to get guys? You've already done that in the past. It the, Things get complicated when we talk mm-hmm. about the Lakers and trades. Yeah. And I think that's you know what, what kind of makes it tough. It, it's tough when you know, you're predicting trades really early into the process December 15th is today we're talking about that's the first unofficial day you know of trading and we're gonna have a lot more uh, information moving forward it's gonna be fun that maybe next week or the week after we do have a trade to talk about but that will do it for our episode of pick and pod it's been a great talk Miles Grossman Gigi Spear I'm Michael Calamari you'll have all our NBA talk next week on the next episode of pick and pod pick a pod is a production of WFUV Sports.